Shining a light on autism and life on the spectrum. Welcome to My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly. A podcast breaking down barriers, stigma and misconceptions around autism. And now, here's your neurologically different host, Orion Kelly. Welcome and thank you so much for listening to My Friend Autism. I'm Orion Kelly and I'm autistic. What's critical to understand is that I'm just one person on the autism spectrum. So if you've met one autistic person, well, you've met one autistic person. No two autistic people are the same. We all have individual strengths and challenges. My purpose is to empower you with knowledge, education and growth opportunities through open, honest and engaging conversations on autism. This podcast seeks to break down stigmas and misconceptions around autism while increasing the level of understanding and acceptance of autistic people. And if you'd like to send me a message, you can reach out to me on my socials. Find the Orion Kelly page on Facebook. I'm also on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and I've got a website, orionkelly.com.au, where you'll find all my podcasts, YouTube videos, blogs, and a whole heap more. My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly. Online at orionkelly.com.au. On this episode, we are discussing what it feels like to be an autistic child. Okay, I get it. I understand what you're thinking. You're not a child. What, what are you talking about? But hang on, hear me out, okay? I was a child. I am autistic. And I have a six-year-old autistic son. So I think that gives me enough cred and content to help you understand what it feels like to be an autistic child. And I guess also this podcast is for mums and dads of autistic kids to get some sort of insight from me on their kids and what their kids may be going through or thinking. I've also done a YouTube video on this topic and the YouTube video features my son, Conan, who is autistic. So if you'd like to check out my video on what it feels like to be an autistic child, check out my YouTube channel. Just find Orion Kelly, that autistic guy, on YouTube, and you'll see all my videos, and you can watch the video that Conan and I did together. So in this podcast, I want to speak about what I think are the big things when you're an autistic child. Friends, bullying, feeling lost, self-care, and a safe place. Let's start at the beginning, my son and I. Well, I can tell you, as an autistic person, I basically owe my life to my son because I don't know if I would have ever have been diagnosed as autistic without the push along you get when a child is diagnosed. Now, this may be very relatable to a lot of people out there. I find in the modern day, There are a lot of autistic people who were born autistic. That's the only way you can. You can't get it later in life. You can't acquire it. You can't catch it. You're born autistic. A lot of adults who were born autistic don't realise they're autistic, don't realise they're on the spectrum until their child is diagnosed. And that's because parents play a big part in children being diagnosed with autism. Parents are part of the assessment criteria. Parents are part of the 
tests and assessments and conversations and history that's taken about how a child is. And as you go through the assessments, and look, I did this. My wife and I did this with our son. Your wife starts to look at you a bit funny and you start to think, hang on a second, (laughs) this is me. Every single question you're asking us to give you an answer to on our son, my answer is basically the same, some worse. And you start to think, hang on, this doesn't make, I don't understand it. Are we here for him or for me? This, this is weird. And we now know that there's a strong genetic link with autism. Okay, so one of the things we know that's factual is genetically autism can be passed down. I understand it can potentially skip generations. It also can spontaneously occur. But for the most part, if you have a child who's autistic, there's a really significant chance that one of the parents is also autistic. And certainly one of the grandparents is also autistic. Knowing that now is great, but I didn't know that back then. Just because we were getting our son assessed, it didn't mean anything to do with us. Now I know it does. It's something that's it's handed down. For me and Conan, there's this connection that without seeking an assessment for Conan, I would not have ever, ever known and had those me too moments that maybe I was too and therefore get an assessment which led to a diagnosis. So in a way, my son really saved my life in our son being diagnosed and initially assessed and then diagnosed with autism, I was then assessed and diagnosed as autistic. And then it was like a rebirth for me. For a child, they can look back when they get older and not remember never being anything but autistic. But for me, it's a rebirth. I, I know my life prior to being autistic, it was a large chunk of my life. And it's just a completely different way of looking at the world now. So my son and I connected through many things, least of which being both autistic. As an autistic child, friends can be a real ordeal. Now, as a child, friends are good, right? As, as a child, let alone a person, an adult, we want friends. Okay, friends provide us with, I guess, a sense of belonging, a sense of acceptance. It goes back to that herd mentality where if you feel like you're accepted and part of the herd, you feel safe. For an autistic child, making friends is really important but is really tricky. Now, we have to understand that every autistic person is different. I I say it every time you've heard me say it, you get it. Okay, so I can only speak on behalf of me and my experience as a child and also I can draw on the experiences that my son has shared with me being an autistic child. Finding friends. As a neurotypical person, you kind of get what you've got to do. You've got to identify, for starters, who likes you. You've got to identify people who you like, who you can relate to, share common interests and passions and you've got to be able to approach them and create some sort of friendship and cultivate that friendship and have a lasting friendship. For an autistic child, none of those things really occur to you. So you want to make friends, but you don't really understand how to identify who does and doesn't want to be your friend. 
And as a result, you can pick the wrong friends. You can, in a way, force friendships. Instead of reading cues and body language and dialogue and experiences with kids, wow, we really just had a great experience there. We both liked the same game. We played it. It was fun. We seemed to have fun together. We should be friends. Instead of that experience, which is probably very common for neurotypical kids, even adults, for an autistic child, that may not occur to you. And it is because of the, you know, the many challenges you can have with social interaction and reading cues and language and verbal and nonverbal and, and body language and all that type of stuff. But I guess that all comes together to muddy the waters. And you have to think, okay, hang on. Uh, well, I like friends and I want friends. I don't really know who likes me and who doesn't. So I guess I'll I guess I'll just follow some kids around or just pick a kid out at random. And you don't say you're not thinking you're doing it at random, but I'll just find a kid who looked at me or said hello to me or any kind of attention at all. If you provided me with any level of interaction, well then I guess I'll just stick to you like glue. But you don't realise there's important things about friendship. You guys as friends, as I've talked about, should have a connection, common interests and passions, and you should enjoy hanging out with each other. It shouldn't be hard, right? You shouldn't be fighting all the time. So picking the wrong friends, I find, is something that can absolutely happen for autistic kids, not because they want to, because they don't know any other way. Right? That The people that are probably best for them may not ever know they exist. You might not ever connect with them. And this is just because we have to acknowledge where the starting point is for an autistic child with regards to interacting with people and, and understanding what's being conveyed by other people, even being aware of their own wants and likes. I mean, look, honestly, for, you know, for, as an autistic child, I can tell you, you don't even care about common interests and common passions and enjoying each other's company and always having fun. You just care about someone who will be in your space as in will be there, right? So you don't feel so lonely. So you don't feel so out of place. Anyone who will keep you company or hang out with you, they could treat you horribly. For the most part, it doesn't matter. And I think it's really common, the experience I had, and I can see with my son, who's only six, you can tell when wrong friends have been picked because you're always having the same conversation, which is like, well, friends wouldn't talk to you like that, or friends wouldn't treat you like that, or friends wouldn't ask you to do those types of things. Friends don't bully people. Friends don't try to get you in trouble. That's not, that's not a friend. You, know? you have to understand if that's how they're treating you, they're not your friend. I can identify that. But when you're an autistic child, you just think, what are you, what are you talking about? This is my friend. It doesn't matter if all they ever do is get me in trouble, treat me badly, bully me, make me do stupid things, uh, take advantage of me, because they can clearly see. That's the thing about other, other people, neurotypical people. Some of them can clearly see you're different or know you're different and will exploit that. As an autistic child, you don't realise that's happening, the exploitation or the manipulation, the bullying, it's not evident. You just think, this is friendship. Someone wanted to hang out with me, paid me attention, they treat me like this, this is friendship. It's not always positive and it's not always healthy. Making friends can be a real minefield for autistic kids. Keeping friends, even harder. Now, I can speak on my own experience here. My entire life, 
from childhood right up until today. Keeping friends is so hard. And from my point of view, most of the time I don't even know what happened, what went wrong, or why I don't have friendship of people anymore. I I honestly don't know. I can't ever tell you why. But clearly something's happened or there's been a failure of maintaining the friendship or for whatever reason. I mean, there's no use me expecting you to to elaborate when I've just told you I don't know why, but there's clearly reasons. And keeping friends can be really hard. For a kid, struggling to keep friends is super hard. You have to remember that as an autistic child, there are very specific needs. There's the safety. You know, there's the comfort factor. When you're an autistic child in the public, in the, in the real world, in, the, in a school environment, you're not at your safe place being your home with your safe people being your family. So there's a lot of masking going on, masking being suppressing your autistic self to come across as normal as possible so you just blend in, which is never, which is never easy and not usually successful. So there's lots of things that are heightened, anxiety, fear. So there's lots of things that can be heightened from that feeling, that experience in a school environment. Anxiety is one of them. And with anxiety, which can be a comorbidity for many autistic people, control comes into play. You know, if you have some, if you have a child who seems like they want to control every game, right, or they want to direct everyone in how they will play the game, how they will play their part in the game, and basically playtime for your autistic child is... Basically, being on the set of a movie, your autistic child's a director, you're some two-bit actor, (laughs) some washed-up two-bit actor, and your job is to do what the director says until you rap. And that's what they call playtime. It's in no way playtime for anyone else. But this is a control thing, and a control thing comes from being anxious, being able to, well, an inability to control the environment of the outside world, of the schoolyard, of the classroom. Not enjoying playtime with autistic kids will turn neurotypical kids away, right? If your autistic child has made a friend who's neurotypical and then your autistic child starts to you know, direct playtime, to want to play the same games, do the same things, then clearly their friends are going to react badly, right? They're going to react badly to being, number one, told what to do. No one wants to be told what to do. Number two, playing the same game every day, a game that isn't even a game they want to play. It's the game of the autistic child, right? These these are the kind of things they're going to think, well, hang on. You're telling me what to play. You're telling me how to play. You're basically telling me what I need to do, what I can't do, and you're getting angry at me when I don't do it. I have no ability to do what I want to do. I don't want to be your friend anymore, right? And gone, finished. Now, that doesn't change in life, right? It's no different in life as you grow up. So from a child's point of view, an autistic child's point of view, that's the result. And, and by the way, they're doing autistic children do these things not because they want to lose friends or because they're bad people. They are autistic and special interests or specific games that predictability you know, the idea that there are things you know you like to play, you know you like to do, they make you feel good in a world that is designed to make you feel bad, are clearly going to be the games you want to play all the time. New games or things you don't know of or changing in a routine of what you do at lunchtime, that's a big thing for an autistic child. This isn't 
nothing. It's not like a neurotypical child having to have a different sandwich, right? <laughs> or go, like go to a different part of the playground. Like these things are big for autistic kids. They build their life around predictability. It would not bother me if I had the same sandwich every day for my entire school life. I mean, at least I know what I'm getting. I know I like it. I'm going to get it every day and I don't have to worry about what I'm going to get. I know before I open it. Most people would go, I couldn't think of anything worse than having the exact same sandwich every day. It wouldn't bother me. Frankly, we could do a menu right now, me and my wife, a five or six day menu, right, for dinner. And if I liked all the meals on it, I could, we, could just, we could just do that every week. Those six meals every week forever. It wouldn't bother me. If I liked them, well, what's the difference? I mean, in the end, what's the difference? It's, you're still getting the same proteins, right? I've gone on off on a rant. Oh, there I go again. I guess the point I'm making is a consistency, a predictability is crucial for an autistic child's life, for their mental health. And then when their friends, right, respond badly to wanting to do the same stuff, and they lose friends, that has an impact. But then let's say a step back from that, the friends go, well, no, I want to play my game now, right? And then an autistic child has to absorb a change in play, a change in routine, a change in their thoughts. All day they might have been thinking at at lunch, I'm going to play this game with my friends, right? And we're going to do it like this and I'll tell them to do this and they'll do that, right? I know that sounds ridiculous, but that's the level of planning that would go into what they're going to do in the playground at lunchtime, in their heads. They would have done it right through, I promise you. And if it doesn't – and by the way, in my experience, because I, I, I still do that with all events in my life, you kind of play it out in your head, but not just what you're going to do, what everyone's going to do. In my entire life, I don't think it's ever actually eventuated like that. I don't think I've ever lived my life as well in real life as I have in my mind. But that could be everyone. Either way, when a child says to your autistic child, I don't want to play your games anymore, let's play a different game, which I think is completely reasonable. Kids should be able to play whatever games they want. Your autistic child, for the most part, and I can tell you from my experience, is go- and my son's experience, is going to react badly. No, we're, we're not pl- I don't want to play your game. Your game's stupid. And this is when autistic kids don't try to offend or be rude. They just get to an emotional level a reaction of a change in routine that's so drastic to them that their mind just goes into overload, their emotions goes into overload, and they aren't trying to be over the top. Your game's stupid. I want to play your game. I want to play, you know, we're going to play my game. It's just a release. It's just a reaction that can't be controlled to a change in routine. So autistic kids trying to navigate a relationship with neurotypical kids in the playground is so difficult, is so tricky. It almost never works. So making friends is hard, but keeping friends is harder. And in my experience, is virtually impossible. I could get every single person I've ever been friends with, well, I would have more fingers than friends to state. I could get them all on the phone and we could ask each and every one of them, why aren't we friends anymore? For the life of me, aside from, I don't know, we don't stay in contact or something, I do not know why, but I couldn't give you a single reason why. Now, flowing on from making friends and keeping friends is a really big one, bullying. I think this is something that parents of autistic kids have to be really mindful of and really aware of, okay? I'm really strong on this. I don't think anyone 
deserves to be bullied. And there's a couple of points I would say. Number one, as an autistic person, and I was diagnosed later in life, I can communicate, I can convey my thoughts and feelings in a tone or a language that some people will say is rude or aggressive or like bully-like, right? Like, well, don't bully me into it. So, And what's really interesting is it's a bit hard to say that to an autistic person when I can tell you I don't know the tone. I don't get the, the correct tone. I don't know what tone I've used or are using. When, when I'm conveying something to you, there's no difference in my head to say, yeah, toast and coffee would be great, to why did you say that? That's really wrong or you've done this wrong or I'm going to the toilet now. I don't know how the tone would be different to say all those things. I'm assuming that as a neurotypical person, you'd expect all those things to be conveyed differently. But from my point of view, I'd have to act. I'd have to mask. I'd have to perform because I've learned how to perform. I've learned how to put on a show. But the difference is it's acting. I don't care what acting school you go to or how good an actor you are. You're still you, mate. <laughs> you're still you playing a character. You can say, you, you know, you got into the role. Yeah, good for you. But you're still not the role. You're you, right? You're st- so I can be good at acting and learn acting. Just because I can act like I know what tone you'd expect in this situation doesn't mean I actually know what tone I'm giving you or know the impact that tone will have on you. Absolutely. People have told me that I can be aggressive to the way I talk to them or rude the way I talk to them or too intense the way I talk to them or it comes across like I'm bullying them. But it's all complete crap. I've studied law. I went to uni, studied law, and I can tell you, you tell me where the mental element is. How can I be any of those things if I didn't intend to be any of those things? Like when you, if you're bullying someone, you choose to bully someone. I'm not choosing to bully you because the way I talk to you, number one, is open, honest, raw, unfiltered, and without any tone because, frankly, I don't know which tone works. I just talk. So it comes across like that. It's like if you listen to any person on the planet, be that autistic or neurotypical, no one sounds the same, right? (laughs) No one sounds the same. I guess my point is I'm not saying only neurotypical people are bullies. What I'm saying is to bully, you really have to intend to bully. You have to intend to exploit. You have to intend to manipulate. You have to intend to control. I have never intended any of those things when people have said the way I'm coming across is bully-like or aggressive or what do you see what I'm saying so for an autistic child when they are bullied they are bullied because children who see their differences are exploiting their differences are using their differences to manipulate them to control them to make them do things that might entertain them but get the autistic person in trouble and from my experience through my childhood and my son's childhood so far, is that majority of people that bully autistic kids are their friends. Are their friends more than people they don't know? And again, this comes back to picking the wrong friends, making friends in a way where it's just haphazard chaos kind of choosing to realising these people are are just getting you to do things. Hey, do this. Because they know no one would ever do that. And it's a horrible thing to do, but it'd be really entertaining. And because I know this person's different, they'll do it. Right? It's, an ex- it's an exploitation or and they'll, they'll, you know, the classic thing that autistic kids will hear from neurotypical friends is, I won't be a friend anymore if you don't. Like, seriously. So this, <laughs> that shows intent to bully. Okay. And autistic kids, they hear that 
And they think, well, hang on a second. I find it really hard to make friends. He's not going to be my friend anymore. I'm going to do it. Then you get the classic neurotypical parent going, well, hey, will it, you know, would, you, would you jump off blah if your friend told you to? Well, you, that's the wrong question to ask an autistic person. Can I tell you? If there's someone that you treasure that much, you, yes, yes, you will jump off that whatever if your friend tells you to. If you are a neurotypical parent with an autistic child, you have to watch what you say in those situations. Autistic kids will do things to, to hang on to friends, to hang on to things that they class as safe, right? Just like they hang on to you because you're their safe person, right? It's, it's the same thing. As an autistic child going to school, which I look back and frankly, like my whole school life were absolutely the worst years of my life. I, and I don't mean because it was like I was in a war zone or something. I just, I just look back on them and I just don't have any fond memories. It just... It's just so much pressures and stresses and dealing with kids. And uh, it's funny, as an autistic person, and autistic kids are the same, we tend to kind of separate ourselves from school kids. We kind of call them kids. And I'm like, you're, you're a kid too, mate. Oh, you're a school kid too. And you kind, of, you kind of almost see yourself as a teacher or an adult or you, when you're not. And I don't, I don't know exactly why that is, but I know that's something for me and, and my son. You kind of look at it as a different group of people. But bigger kids... In a school environment, they're worse. And this happened to me all the time. You know, bigger kids. Any kid that was older than you, different year level, bigger, they'd absolutely pick on you. And a lot of times it was because they could see you were different. But for me and probably my son, they can see you have a, like a confident persona, which is a masking, a masking result, trying to fit in. They can see that not only you kind of can be confident, but you can be, you can come across quite strong or quite a big personality, right? Or quite trusting or naive. You know, they can say things, punch me. Hey, punch me, you know. And they f- they're forcing you, basically, to do something they know you cannot do. But when no one accepts you, you'll do anything you can to earn that acceptance. And this is the thing about bullying for me. It's a big, it's a big hot-button issue for me because as an autistic person, I, I feel bullying is something I've experienced my entire life. I mean, certainly from the playground right up. And it doesn't have to be a stereotypical type of bullying. I think it's the level and length of bullying that I've had to endure that's actually made me the advocate I am today. It's the one thing that I really get passionate about, sticking up for or advocating for people who are being bullied by people who are perceptually bigger or stronger than them. It's always, it's always got me going and I can't, I can't let it go. I've got to stick up for them. I've got to advocate for them. I've got to push down that bully. And that's why I, I, I take it to heart when people say, well, you talk aggressively or you talk like a bully to me or whatever. And it's like, well, but that's fine. I, I apologise That's how you, you know, if that's how you're receiving it. But I can only communicate the way I can communicate. It's your job to work out how you want to receive it. If you acknowledge I'm autistic, I don't get tone, I don't get delivery, you know, I, I don't get the idea of sugarcoating things or I'm passionate about things or spontaneous or, or whatever and things are going to come across in a certain way, if you get all that, you're not going to take it as being talked too aggressively or being bullied or whatever you want to say. That's why I get so passionate about it because it really frustrates me. It's the last thing I'd ever do. It just comes out on misconception of how someone will communicate to you when they don't understand any of the rules that you want them to understand and abide by. And for autistic kids, well, parents of autistic kids, I want to be very clear. You need to tell them repeatedly that this type of adversity they're going through It leads to greatness. Adversity leads to greatness. And I can tell you, you are going to be great. 
you are going to be great. Just remember that. Putting friendships aside, feeling lost is a big thing for autistic kids. Autistic kids can feel like they're not like other kids. Kids don't respond to them positively, like what I've spoken about. As you become an adult, people can think that because the way you you talk in a certain tone or in certain language, that's somehow bullying or aggressive or whatever. So when people don't respond to you positively, people might be scared of you because of the way you interact or the way you react. It might be an autistic meltdown or you might become a certain emotion that is an outburst. It might put people off. People might get a bad impression of you. Impressions are... (laughs) the nightmare of, of an autistic child because you, you just can't win, right? If you be yourself, bad impression. If you try to not be yourself and mask and be normal, you come across just a bit weird and quirky and just a bit not right, right? You can't win. Teachers, they struggle to accept autism and they struggle to accept how it impacts a child's ability to act like other kids. Feeling lost is a big thing for autistic kids and it's not just because of how they come across to other kids and how other kids react to them. But it's also the teachers. This is a generalisation. and There are teachers out there that are good and there are teachers out there that are bad. But the, general, the generalised point is teachers will still put a level of expectation on an autistic child to act and behave in a way that a neurotypical child would. Well, that's ridiculous, right? <laughs> that's like me putting an expectation on a teacher to act like they've done law. Well, you studied education. You didn't study law. So I'm not going to expect you to be a lawyer. That's my expectation. Be an educator. Autistic brain, neurotypical brain. You can't expect the reverse. But they do. They put them under the same banner. They also throw it away like it's nothing, as in, oh, you can't use autism as an excuse for that. You know, you, you, like, you're not angry because you're autistic. Oh, don't be ridiculous. It's got nothing to do with you. Having autism. All these, please, honestly, this is a real issue. All this does is pushes autistic kids away. It makes them feel completely lost. Where are they supposed to go from that? And this all impacts self-care. When you feel lost, when you feel overwhelmed, when you feel alone, you forget to eat, right? You forget to do things like hygiene, self-care things, important things, things for you, things neurotypical people take for granted. And anxiety, it causes you to not only have to Go to the toilet more. I can tell you that's just a fact. If you have an autistic child, you know, honestly, they must have to go to the toilet seven times before they leave the house. They could have just done it once, but they, they're so anxious. It's like, well, I better, you know, I better finish. I better be quick because I don't want to be late. And then they realise I haven't finished. I've got to get back in. It just become, it just, anxiety just perpetuates it. It just goes round in circles. All the factors we've just discussed impact every other step of going to the toilet. It's one thing for anxiety and all those feelings of being overwhelmed and feeling lost and having no friends and being bullied that makes you have symptoms of anxiety like having to go to the toilet a lot. But also, autistic kids can't always get their head around what's expected. It's almost like every single step has to be signposted. Okay, so seat down, flush toilet, wash hands, dry hands, close door. And you don't say that once. You say that every single time. And if you don't, doesn't happen. Let me ask you this. Who's saying that at school? And you can say, well, it just goes without saying, or that's a parent's job. Self-care can't be someone else's job. 
But see, self-care is impacted by others. Sure, it's your own care of yourself, but your ability to do it is impacted by how the world around you actually makes you feel. You're so tired and exhausted from masking and being someone you're not. And so I guess downtrodden by all the overwhelming scenarios that you face on a day-to-day basis as a child that self-care just goes out the window. So after all the things we've gone through, all the things we've discussed, how autistic kids can behave at home can therefore be really confronting because you can't go through a life that we've just talked about and not, <laughs> and not at some point react, not at some point let it go, right? There has to be a reaction. And that's where we get to a safe place. So for an autistic child, their home, for the most part, in most cases, is their safe place. And their parents or parent or carer, for the most part, in most cases, is their safe person or their safe people. So because they feel safe around their family, around their carers, around their safe people and in their home, they're clearly going to behave in a confronting way in their home because they feel safe. Parents of autistic kids just have to take a step back and remember they aren't behaving like this in their home because they're brats or they're trying to make trouble or trying to give you a hard time or stress you out. They're doing it because they feel safe and loved. They can finally be themselves. They can finally let go of what they've been bottling up. So this is a good thing. Sure, it has to be, has to be managed. They have to be kept safe. It's confronting, but they have to understand it's a positive thing. It's an outlet. It's also a window into how they actually feel. Make sure you keep that in mind. Next time your autistic child comes home from school and just acts out or, in your mind, behaves badly or has a meltdown or is just all over the shop, that's a window into how they actually feel. That's a window into how their day has been. Now, after a day masking their true autistic self and still being treated differently, exhaustion and hopelessness can overcome an autistic child. How can't it? You think children are too young to feel those feelings? You you haven't spoken to an autistic child then. And it doesn't matter if your autistic child is verbal, nonverbal, requires care, requires support. It's irrelevant because an autistic child, I can tell you right now, is going to feel like that after a day out in a neurotypical world. And think about it like this. If after being treated like that by a neurotypical world and therefore feeling like that, exhausted, hopeless, overwhelmed, and then you come home to your safe place and you finally let it go, you finally drop it through whatever behaviour or whatever way they do, and then your family reacts badly to that, well, now your autistic child thinks you don't even accept them. It's like, I'm I'm like this because I've been out there all day for people that aren't accepting of me overwhelming me, exhausting me. I'm letting it go the only way I know how. And of course, as you get older, you certainly can get be- you certainly get better at it. But if they're a child, they're a child. They're going to act like a child. And an autistic child, it's going to be more animated. If they're going to do that, and then you're going to react badly to it, even though you know the reality of the situation, what do you think? What do you think they're going to think? How do you think they're going to react? Oh, God. Now my own family don't accept me. 
Now my own family are judging my behaviours. I finally thought I could let it go, get all that horrible energy away and then relax and unwind. And now they're reacting badly. I'm, I've got nothing. If you are autistic, if you have an autistic child, then that's what they are. That's the, they should be proud that they are autistic. And therefore, what happens will happen in their life. This is their life. You need to embrace them and encourage them. Find their passions, their special interests. Use those as a gateway into learning new things, right? Into broadening their horizons, into expanding their abilities, their capabilities. This is the way of going about it. Keeping in mind that when an autistic child comes home from school and is just, in your mind, potentially uncontrollable, like a wild animal, stop and think, what have they had to go through today to get to this point? And how can I help them release this energy and then relax, unwind, and come back to a place of peace? This is the stuff you should be focused on, not about this idea that you, you're still a neurotypical parent raising a neurotypical child under neurotypical conditions and expectations. You're not, so forget about it and just, just be you and, and just embrace, enjoy, and raise your child the way your child deserves to be raised. What does it feel like to be an autistic child? I can tell you it can feel really lonely. It can feel like you actually are part of a family you're not really a part of. It can feel like you are in no way connected to really anyone else. You don't belong. No one wants to be your friend. You will never have friends. This is the kind of stuff it can feel like. Do you want that for your child? Because if you don't, accept reality, embrace reality, and do everything you can to encourage and cultivate a healthy autistic child. My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly. Join the conversation now at the Orion Kelly Facebook page. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of My Friend Autism. If you'd like to check out my YouTube video on what it feels like to be an autistic child featuring my six-year-old autistic son, we'll find my YouTube channel. Just look for Orion Kelly, that autistic guy. And if this episode has resonated with you, I'd love it if you'd share it with your family and friends so we can reach more people. If you'd like to continue the conversation, suggest a topic or area of autism to explore, or you just want to say hi, you can like the Orion Kelly page on Facebook or send me a message via my website, orionkelly.com.au. That's O-R-I-O-N-K-E-L-L-Y.com.au. As I said, you can go and check out my YouTube channel as well. Just look for Orion Kelly, that autistic guy. This podcast is here to break down stigmas and misconceptions around autism while increasing the level of understanding and acceptance of autistic people. You know, all I'm asking is for you to open your hearts and minds to people a little bit different to you and embrace the benefits of neurodiversity. Until next time, thanks for opening up your hearts and minds and embracing differences. You've been listening to My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly. To join the conversation, get in touch with Orion and never miss an episode. Like the Orion Kelly page on Facebook or visit orionkelly.com.au.